right, we're live and we're rolling, and this is The Real Venture. I'm your co-host, Peyton. And I am your co-host, Luke, and we are entering the world of business by starting a few companies of our own. So we decided to create this podcast as a platform so that we could ask other successful entrepreneurs the questions that we need answered in order to help our business grow. Every single week, we are joined by CEOs, venture capitalists, artists, co-founders, and influencers, all with one thing in common, they're young entrepreneurs. The only thing I'm gonna need you to do is hit that subscribe button below so you never miss a conversation. Every single Wednesday, Luke and I are going to be right here and we can't wait for you to join us. Alex, hey, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. We're really excited to have you. Why don't you know you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing, Peyton. First off, thank you so much for having me, man. It's an honor to, to be on the show. I've been really enjoying some episodes, just listening and learning myself. As an entrepreneur, I think we can all learn and grow from other entrepreneurial podcasts. So thanks for what you're doing here. And real quick, just a little bit about me. I've been somebody who has been an entrepreneur since I was very young, but also worked in corporate for quite a while. I did 15 years in a corporate job, but still kept that entrepreneurial mindset. So throughout my entire life and career, that's kind of been the, the thing that's just kind of followed me along the way is that I have an entrepreneurial spirit, which sometimes, again, been flexed in corporate, sometimes been flexed with my own projects, startups, side hustles, whatever it might be. But all in all, I'd say that it's just something that has always driven me. My personality has always led me, once again, to being able to help other people and myself create our businesses for ourselves and hopefully make the world a better place as a result. Yeah, I mean, the the entrepreneurial spirit, it's... It, you know, it's something that I feel like is in a lot of people and they don't know it until they're exposed to the right, you know, environment to kind of bring it out of them. And, you know, I think that happens to some people in corporate. I think it happens to some people from from the get go because of their family. Did you come from an entrepreneurial, you know, minded family? Yeah, actually, I did. So my both my parents, they were actually very poor growing up, both of them separately. And when they my mom and dad got married, they were still not doing super well, actually, for some years of my life, I actually lived in just an apartment. It was like a two-bedroom apartment. I have three younger brothers. So that, that's just kind of where we lived for a while. But they always had things they were doing. And my dad ended up being extremely successful in his entrepreneurial ventures as well. But he always he, he never told any of us like, hey, you've got to go start your own thing, or you've got to go get a job, or you've got to go to college. or He never did any of that with us. He just kind of helped us do whatever it was that we wanted to do. And for me, it was to be an entrepreneur myself. And he just always really inspired, impacted that, us to be able to do that. And my mom was a huge support and help along the way as well. Uh, more of like the, uh, the nurturing role, if you will, which is I think really needed for young entrepreneurs because it can be a tough world out there. But I'm very thankful to my upbringing because I believe it really set me off in the right way when it comes to entrepreneurship. I think that nurturing mom thing kind of goes unnoticed sometimes because yeah. I've, had, I've had moments where I've you know, been pushing the lawnmower around the neighborhood, trying to find lawns to cut. Nobody, nobody took me up on it or nobody came to my lemonade stand and I went home all sad and, and you know, mom was there to, to make me feel a little bit better. That's right, man. It gives you the courage to go out and try it again the next day. So thankful to all moms out there. Yeah. Big shout out to moms. So, you know, like you said, you kind of had that spirit. It started cultivating. You had a lot of support at home. What was your first you know, adventure in, in into this side of the world. How old were you and, and what did you do? Yeah, so I was 10 years old and I, I tried lemonade, by the way, you mentioned, I tried that one time and 
this is when I realized I had a business mind. I realized that the profit margin was really slim. I'm like, wait a minute, my mom paid $9 for this. I'm getting 25 cents per person who buys it. I just did some quick math as a 10 year old. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. There's got to be something else. So I just stopped and was like, maybe this isn't for me. Uh, and again, as a 10 year old kid, that's kind of weird. But I ended up finding a golf ball on the golf course. We live right across the street from it. And me and the, my brothers and other kids in the neighborhood, we go play on the golf course because it's great grass to play on. We just run away when golfers came. But yeah. anyway, one day I ran away down to the lake and saw a golf ball that wasn't in the water. It was perfectly clean, picked it up. And some golfer was riding by in a cart and he goes, hey kid, what does that ball say on it? And I looked at him like, Titleist Pro V1. And he just goes, I'll give you $3 for it. And I was like, oh, it, I just found it. He's like, I don't care. He goes, I'll give you $3 if you want to give it to me. I was like, sure. I gave him the ball, give me $3. And then a light bulb went off. I'm like, I watch golfers hit balls in this water every single day. And I've seen some use like a ball retriever. It's just some like stick with something that picks up a golf ball at the end. So long story short, me and those kids in the neighborhood, my brothers, we started collecting golf balls, cleaning them up, organizing them, and then selling them every Saturday morning. And that was like my first entrepreneurial venture, if you will. We actually made a lot of money doing that for kids. Yeah. Like we were making a lot. I mean, these golfers, like they come by every, I guess, three minutes. You've got a new set of golfers and they're all buying golf balls from us because we're cute little kids, right? So, um, and at that point, obviously I wasn't paying taxes or anything like that. So <laughs> it changes yeah, it a little bit. But cash it, business under the table. Right. Here's the thing about that though, that I'll share. It wasn't the fact that I was making money that I enjoyed it. It was the act of creating something that mm -hmm. generated something else, right? Like it, it happened to be profit, happened to be money. I just love the, the act of organizing the whole thing. So for me, it was like, okay, you neighbor kid, go find golf balls with these three others. Hey, you, my youngest brother, because you're going to get the crappy job. Sorry. Uh, go clean the golf balls. Hey, next brother, go uh, get them organized in bins. I'll go out there and sell them with a couple other people. And so we just had this huge like operation going in this neighborhood, but I enjoyed that side of things. And that's where I realized that I had an entrepreneurial mind as a 10 year old kid. That sounds super weird to have that self-awareness, if you will. But that was the first time I ever really like felt alive. And I was doing something that I really loved and was good at. Yeah. And I think you're incredibly fortunate that that happened at such a young age, right? Like I think that there's a lot of people that have that kind of aha moment at like 40, but you right. got to have it at 10. And I think, you know, it shifted your mindset forever going forward. And then now you're just looking for new opportunities to, to look for the same thing. Correct. Yeah. It's something that I'll carry with me my whole life. And I'm thankful for that, that experience opportunity. And it's, it's all, it's nothing that I did. I mean, it was my upbringing. It's where I was and just happened to have that happen. So I'm very thankful for that entire experience of my life. So moving forward a little bit, you, it, you know, in your early teen years, you, you started a technology company, correct? What, um, you know, what did you do there? And then did you bring anything from your golf ball experience into that company to kind of help it get started? Yeah, it's funny. Like as a kid, it's like, what could you possibly bring in as a 10 to 12 year old kid selling golf balls? And that's when that stopped, by the way, at, after the age of 12, you're not cute anymore. And golfers like I hit that one in the water, give it back to me, you know, like yeah. type of thing. So we did that for a couple of years. But anyway, I actually wrote a blog post about this last year, some things I was able to pull from that as an adult. And that takes some humility looking back at yourself as a child saying, I actually learned some things from that. So I learned to actually manage people well to build a structure. Again, very strange, but when we were doing this tech startup in the, it was in real estate, we were building virtual tours of homes. Mm -hmm. And at that point, this was 2004, five and six. And the market was just booming at that point. I mean, it was hot. So we were making a lot of money. I had a team of seven people that were taking pictures, editing, posting on the MLS. And as quickly as I could, I added another, another sector to that business, if you will, which was real estate investing. And that was kind of something that I just pulled from what I learned as a kid and obviously honed those skills a lot at this point. Now it was an LLC, you know, it was a corporation. So I was paying taxes, paying staff, like not under the table stuff, like everything was done legally. So I learned a lot about how a business works. And so how did you, 
you know, when you kind of learned all of those things, I mean, did it, did it force you to stop developing the business in order to, to kind of dive in and figure it out? Or is that something that you did on the run? You know, it, it did. It slowed things down for me. And over time, I think that happens to most entrepreneurs. But I think the best thing that we can do is find a way to keep our head above water when it comes to the day to the day. So many of us get stuck working in the business instead of on the business. In the business means looking at, oh, do I need a 401k option for these people? Oh, do I need to pay them overtime? Oh, am I legally structured properly? Versus that's all in the business stuff versus on the business of, okay, can we add real estate investing? Can we add rental properties? Can we start a project man or sorry, a property management company. Like that's more on the business type of thing. And you have to find a healthy balance between the two. And a big way to do that is to not be afraid to spend money, which sounds a little bit weird, but you've got to have somebody on your team that can help you with that. You've got to outsource it. You can't be like, oh, I can save $2,000 if I don't hire an attorney, if I just learn it myself. Don't fall into that trap because you're not an attorney. Let an attorney handle that. Be strategic with how you work with them. We actually talked about that a little bit offline, uh, Peyton. But uh, I think it's yep. important that you make sure that you are very careful with what you're doing with your time because the more you work in the business instead of on the business, the slower your growth is going to happen. Yeah, no, I, we're, we are kind of sifting through that on a, on a daily basis between Luke and I. Um, you know, there are you know, some things that we're doing for, for our UI, for example. We could hop into Figma or Adobe and try to design it, but for $3,000, we could hire somebody to do it really, really well, and they could do it yeah. really quickly. And that allows us to work on other things that help advance the business and help move it forward instead of, hey, is this aligned properly? A hundred percent, man. I think that so many entrepreneurs, we think we have to be very frugal, which we do. But again, it has to support us working on the business. And I know I'm sounding a little bit repetitive, but it's just so important because when anybody launches something day one, you, you see so much growth. Like you do this huge social media campaign or you post about it and you get all this initial traction and you're excited about it. You start making some ground, some progress. And then this happens almost 100% of the time. People go completely stagnant. It's because now they're quote unquote busy. Oh man, I've got to work on the website. Oh man, I got, I've got all this other stuff I've got to do. The truth is you're better off doing what uh, it's actually, who is it? Daniel's, Dan Sullivan. He talks about who, not what. So instead yep. of saying what you need to do, find who can do it for you. He has an entire book on it, which actually, it's funny, he's the author on it, but he didn't actually write a single word in the book. He got a who to do what he wanted, which was write a book. And so many of us entrepreneurs, we have to start thinking about things that way as well. Yeah. And I mean, this is coming from a guy who spent four hours last night on WordPress trying to align a paragraph. <laughs> I, I, I am, I'm not a website guy, but I, I wanted to save money. And I, looking back, I, I wish I paid somebody to do it. Yeah, you know, I'm going to mention one caveat here because I've always thought WordPress was really fun. If you have some free time and you want to take on one of these projects because you just think it's so fascinating and fun, then then do it. That's part of being an entrepreneur. So like not saying that you're having a good time doing that. That sounds miserable. Yeah. But for me, I really enjoy podcast editing. So I have never subbed out. As much as my team is like, Alex, get an editor, get an editor. Next year, they, by the way, they finally talked me into it. But I've always thought it's really fun. So I'm like, yeah. no, I, I've got free time. I can... I can allocate three hours a week so I can just work on that because I think it's a good time and it makes me feel like I'm contributing and doing something really cool. So uh, anyway, think about that as well, but make sure that there isn't overlap as to like what's actually fun and what's just you trying to save a buck or just not sure how to even sub it out. Spend the time to figure it out so you don't have to do it again in the future. Exactly. I love that. And I think a lot of people are can take that away. Turn turn that hobby, that thing that you really enjoy and, and make a couple bucks off of it. Uh, you're already doing it anyways you know, help, help somebody else out. It's also the, you know, it's a nice thing to do. Right. Um, even, even though you're charging people doesn't mean you're not helping them out. Um, true. you know, like you said, we're paying a lawyer, but they're helping us out because they know how to do it. And, and we don't, um, 
you know, so, okay. So, you know, you started these two businesses now, you know, your life kind of is moving forward and now you're going to kind of venture into the corporate world, right? Yeah. You know, and I say venture into the corporate world. That's a really nice way to say it. The truth is I had my first entrepreneurial failure, if you will. I did not see the recession coming like most people that were in real estate, but I went from having a really big business to overnight having zero business and being super in debt because I owned property at that point. Yep. So it was a 19 or 20 year old kid, whichever I was at that point, I, I was the most in debt person for my age that I knew. And that was a very humbling experience. So I don't want to just breeze over that as like, oh, I no. decided to go into corporate next. Like that was a failure that I had. Now, failure does not define you. As a matter of fact, I can still pull a lot from what I learned in that. And I look back now, for years, I would not have told you this, but now I can look back and say, I would not trade that experience for anything. That made me the man I am today. I learned humility at that point because I realized now that I started struggling with some pride because for a young guy, I was doing very well. And the second pride sets in, I'm telling you what, your growth is going to be completely just, you, you basically said, okay, you, I've forsaken my growth at this point. I'm done because now I'm, I'm prideful. Um, there's a, I'm, I'm a believer. I follow Jesus. And there's a scripture that simply says pride comes before the fall. And I believe that is so true that if you're prideful, your businesses are going to stop. So for me, learning that at a young age was super beneficial. So when I got into the corporate world, just to move this along, Peyton, I, I jumped into it entry level. Like I didn't bring all this experience. I brought like kind of a wounded person walking in. Yeah. And my dad being an entrepreneur, he was in aerospace for 30 some odd years. So having the same last name as my dad, San Filippo, it was very easy for me to jump into aerospace. So he got me an interview and I ended up getting an entry level position. I was part-time receiving clerk, which means it's a fancy way of saying I broke down boxes uh, that parts were coming in and I took out people's trash. And that's what I was doing. But at that point, I was just thankful of a job because most people didn't have good jobs at that point. A lot of people crashed and burned at that point. So that was kind of my introduction to the corporate world, if you will. Yeah. So how, okay. So, you know, also uh, it, the podcast hasn't come out yet, uh, but it will come out before this. Uh, we had a, a guest on and, and we were talking about entrepreneurship, right? Um, then and the difference between that and entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship being an opportunity for you to advance within the corporate setting. So, you know, as you kind of moved through your corporate experience, did you kind of embody some of some of that idea, some of the characteristics of an entrepreneur to help you kind of advance your career? First off, I've never heard that before. And I'm, I'm, I mentioned it early on, but I've been enjoying your podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing that one, an entrepreneur. I've never heard of that, but absolutely. I mean, I brought the same thing to the table. A great example of this is when I started off as part-time, that's where I started. When I left the company after 15 years, I was a senior executive at the company. So I, I had worked my way up over the time. And a lot of that was due to being an entrepreneur within an organization, which anybody can do. So many people are like, oh, I want to start my own business. That might not be what you want to do. You just might want some more flexibility in an organization to, to drive change, to drive mm -hmm. an impactful future, one that's meaningful. And for me at that point, I just knew that's where I was supposed to be. So simply put, here's, here's how it started. When I was breaking down boxes, there was boxes getting broken down in multiple parts of the building. I was like, hey, can we centralize this to one place? And there's two times a day we'll break down boxes. Just make sure everyone has them here before a certain time. It streamlined that process. Everyone's like, oh, wow, there's not messes everywhere now. It's all just in one place and gets broken down twice a day. I was looking at trash cans I was emptying and realizing this one's always full. Let me put a bigger trash can here. No one uses this one. Let me move that one. And just those simple things got me noticed really fast as somebody who was looking for solutions in yep. an organization. And fast forward, like obviously there was ups and downs. Like I didn't just climb this ladder super fast. It was 15 years, remember, that I was there. But I worked my way into full-time, into management, into senior management, into a director position, into a senior executive position. Like I worked my way up over time. And obviously there's ups and downs throughout that. 
But the commonality was that I remained an entrepreneur, as you're calling it, somebody who was actually doing my best to drive the organization forward by solving problems that we were having. And, you know, I, I think what's really important to, to understand about being the, the entrepreneur is that's really hard to do to drive the change to align with, with the business if you're not passionate about it and if you don't agree with the business's values and its direction. So, you know, I think that that's something also that's really important to remember. Um, obviously, you know, your family kind of being in that space, it was something that you were interested in, which, you know, probably made it easier to, to, to show up every day and, and yes. want to drive change. But the other thing that was really important and uh, I think is really cool is everybody thinks in order to reach that senior level uh, of leadership, you have to start the company because you just can't go there. But what it, I think you just proved is there's an alternate path, right? There is more than one way to get to the top. Um, and, you know, actually the, the route you took is, is almost more attractive because you didn't have to put up all of the risk. Um, you didn't have to take the chance of going out on your own and, and hoping to, to, to build this. You worked really hard. You did the right things along the way and, and, and you rose up. 100%, man. And I'm going to make a quick recommendation for everybody here. And I don't mean to, to self-promote by any means, but I just recently had um, Liz Wiseman on my show and she has a book called Impact Player. You can find that if you're interested in hearing that interview with her at creatingabrand.com slash 138. And she talks about how to become an impact player in an organization. So I'll give you one tip that I learned mm -hmm. from her years ago. And what she said was to figure out what your boss's main three goals are and do your best to work on those goals with everything you do. So if I can find out what my direct boss needs, the, the three most common things that they're working on or my boss's boss, and I can always be working toward those things, that's how you get noticed in an organization. Guess what? You become that person's favorite because now you're not just doing your job, you're helping them achieve theirs. And when you do that, you get noticed really quick. So it's a little side note, quick, quick hack there, if you will. But that's important to bring into entrepreneurship as well. Always think about when you're, when you're the boss or you made the company, now it's your, your customers, your members, the people that you serve. What are their main goals? If you can find a way to align yourself to help them achieve those goals, they will stick with you for as long as you are around, as long as you continue to help and serve them. How do you figure out what your boss's goals are? A simple way to do that is to ask. I mean, if you can get a meeting, like you don't need to sit there and write them down, but just be listening. And if they're like, man, we've got to hit these numbers this quarter. Well, guess what? I now know hitting those numbers this quarter, that's their goal. So I can look at, okay, it's a sales number. I'm not in sales, but I'm in purchasing. Could I somehow find a way to buy things cheaper and then let him know that I bought them cheaper so sales is making more profit. Something as simple as that. It's just a matter of being able to listen and ask. So for me, the last five years I was there was when I just, I, I grew the most myself, but also I got promoted the fastest in those last five years. And it's because I started doing that. I just started listening to what everyone else's goals were, the rest of the senior team, and I just started helping them achieve them. And everything I did was internal. Like I wasn't customer facing or anything like that. And we were a manufacturing plant, I should mention that. So we we're building aircraft parts, selling them and doing some repairs and stuff in-house. And I was the commercial operations division. So I was responsible for profit margins and processes for five departments of the company. Okay. Wow. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's, and, and that's the other thing too. Everybody thinks like, oh, you got to get in front of customers. You want to help the business grow. No, there are so many problems internally at every single business that you could never speak to a customer, but you could have the biggest impact on the business. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And sometimes what really holds people back isn't the fact that 
that you don't have enough customers, it's the lack of internal process. Or you're, you're missing on a profit margin from just some simple things that you can do. And again, that being my job, I've always been very focused on that. And when I, go, when I look at my entrepreneurial roots, like that's what I was good at. I was good at developing a process. I was good at making sure that we were running profitably. Going back to my lemonade example, it took me one time selling lemonade to realize I wasn't actually making money, right? Like I've always kind of had that mind and carried that through my corporate life. So your corporate life, right? You know, we've kind of talked about it in the past tense. So obviously that means you left it. What, why'd you leave? And, and, and what have you kind of picked up since then? Yeah, real quick, Peyton. Now I just want to say congratulations to you because I know that you are no longer in corporate either. You are full-time yep. entrepreneurship like I am. That yep. is a that takes courage to make that move. So my respects to you, sir. Nice job for making that happen. Thank you. I appreciate that. So after 15 years, you can imagine you've built up some reliance at the, to say the least in that company. You've got some perks at that point. When I you have decided healthcare. I wanted to, right? You're like healthcare, yeah. yeah. Simple things like that. They were paying my phone bill. I had actually never paid, I hadn't paid a phone bill in 15 years, or not 15 years, but probably 10 years. Yeah. Right. So like I didn't even know how to do that. Like I went to T Bob and like, I don't know what to do here. Um, but basically what made me decide I wanted to leave wasn't the fact that I didn't love the company. As a matter of fact, my last year there was my top performing year and the year that uh that I helped the company the most. Like the last year I was there, I left on good terms. I think that's so important. I always tell people that the way you leave one season is the way that you begin the next. Mm. So if you leave on a bad foot, you're going to start the next on that same bad foot. It's not like a switch back and forth. So for me, I want to make sure I left in the best way possible. I left, I left the company up for success. And as a matter of fact, last week, I actually went back to that company. It's the first time in a year that I've even been in that building. And uh, some, some employees are just like, hey, we'd love to have lunch with you. Like, We're going to buy you lunch. Just come show up. And seven people I hired over the time, they're running, they're, most of them are like running the company now, which is really cool to see stuff like that happen. But it's a testament to the fact that I left on good terms and there's still people there that are thriving. Anyway, the reason I decided to leave is about three years before uh, I left the company, it sold and it went public. So it became part of a multi-billion dollar organization. We now had shareholders. We had a board, all, all kinds of things. And I remember one time I walked to my boss's office, so excited because I saved more than 10% on one of our product lines that we were buying. So it was like a huge increase for that quarter. And like, I could see it on paper. I'm like, man, he's gonna be psyched. Walked in his office. I'm like, look how much extra profit we made. He's like, yeah, I saw it. He goes, the shareholders are furious. I was like, no, no, no. Like, no, we made more money. And he's like, yeah, but we didn't tell them we we're going to do that. Therefore, they had to sell the stocks at less than they're actually valued at now. And I was like, oh man, I had the realization in that moment as I was walking back to my office from his that I could no longer be what we're calling like an entrepreneur anymore. I was no longer an entrepreneur working in an organization. I was now just a cog in the machine. I don't mean that in a mean way. Like most companies, that is their goal is to hit that level. But for me, I realized that who I am on the inside, I couldn't be that person anymore. Now it was following the structure, following the procedure. There was nothing left for me to do at that point. And at some point we all overstay our welcome. Like we've got to believe that, right? So for me, I just realized, you know what? It's time for me to move on. I did mention that was a few years before I actually left. It took me a while to figure out how to get back on my own. And Peyton, as we were, I just mentioned, to get the courage to do so. It takes a lot. Like it takes what I just consider to be a calculated risk and you're sacrificing the good for the sake of the potential. Great. Keyword there, potential. Like I didn't know if what I was going to do would work or not. But it was one of those things I just had to finally say, you know what? I've got something that's working. I do a calculated risk by determining that, you know what, in the next year, it'll be making more than my paycheck is right now. My family will be secure and safe. Now I just got to take courage and say, I'm sacrificing my good job for the sake of the great that I desire for me and my family. And that's how I made that transition. Do you have any, you know, what, what would you say? Cause I, I think I have an opinion on this too, but what would you say is, is the best course of action when you are leaving 
your your corporate setting because like you just said you know how you end one season is how you begin the next you can't cross a bridge once you burn it you know i think that there is a correct way to to make that career change so what would be some advice that you know you could pass on to somebody who's maybe thinking through you know taking that taking that leap of faith yeah the, the way i always like to look at this is the person who's doing your job after you needs to be enabled to do the job better than you ever did mm. and that is going to be determined by the amount of training you do, the amount of procedure that you make for them. Anything you do to set that person up for a win after you is going to be what what makes the organization work still after you're gone. That's how you leave on a really good foot. So I actually, when I went back, I found out that the departments I had are all doing better than they were when I was there. And remember, I, I just broke record years for that organization, but I did exactly what I said I was going to do, which was, you know what? When I leave, these next people, they need to do better than I did, or that's a reflection on me for not setting someone else for a win. So I think simply put, start thinking about, you know what, if, if, if you're even thinking about leaving your job, start documenting everything you do. Write it up. Like the day I left, there was training on everything. There was no questions as to, oh, how did Alex do this? I can't figure this out anymore because Alex was the one doing it. There was none of that. It was all public. It was all on company servers. I had trainings. I had delegated everything that I was doing anyway. Doing that is what sets someone else up for a win. If they can take it further than you can, then you, you, you won. I mean, that's how you leave on a really good foot. Yeah, no, I love that. And it, it's also being, you know, you build so many incredible relationships in a 15 year career, you interact with a lot of different people. And, you know, people depended on you, you depended on other people, you built all these incredible um, connections. So, you know, doing your due diligence and doing things the right way are going to help you maintain those relationships because you're you don't know down the road when when you're going to need them again when you're going to cross paths with them i'm already seeing that on on our way out there you know i had so many so many people reach out to me like hey you ever need advice on sales uh because you know i was in tech sales and hey building out a sales org you have any ideas around that like hit me up like talk to me and i'm like i would have never had those relationships if i just abruptly left right yeah 100 percent, man i think that's that's key what you're mentioning there it's so important never burn the bridge just try to keep the relationships going. I believe entrepreneurs, we always have to be thinking about how we can always be giving to other people. Uh, Jordan Harbinger is a really popular podcaster, calls it ABG, always be giving. That's what entrepreneurs need to do. So anything you can do to support those people instead of burn a bridge is going to help you out in the long run. Because like you said, you never know when somehow you'll circle back around. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So you leave and and, and now you're working on a on a different venture. And I think it has something to do with that PM on your, uh, on your chest. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing now? Yeah. So I'm even wearing some company swag here. So the shirt is, is pod match related. So something that I'm going to share real quick is just the most simple framework for starting a business. Like if you're somebody listening to this and you're saying like, Alex Payton, it sounds great that you guys left your job. I want to do that for too. I want to sacrifice the good for the sake of the great, take a calculated risk. But what on earth should that be? Right. I think that this is this is the framework I used and it helped me so much and it's how I'll start every business. Find an area of passion, a group of people that you're passionate about, whatever it might be, something. For me, it was podcasters. So I was passionate to help podcasters. Get into the ecosystem and ask them directly, what are you struggling with? What's a pain point you have? Find a problem that person of passion has, which for me happened to be podcasters looking for guests for their shows. They were saying, I'm having trouble finding that ideal guest. And then what I did, and the next step everyone has, is offer a solution. So find your area of passion, find the problem, offer a solution. The solution I came up with was, you know, what, what if we built like an online dating style app that was like really similar to that, that connects podcast guests and hosts automatically for interviews. And that's exactly what we built. And it worked not because it was some good idea that Alex had. No, it's because I was in an area of passion. I found their problem and I offered a solution for it. 
And by doing that, I was able to launch this company, which is called Podmatch. And again, it's just a way to help podcast guests and hosts get connected. And actually, Peyton, I think that's actually how we got connected. Yeah, yep. so it, it's a testament that it works, man. Like this is a podcast I now love listening to. And I think that we're going to be able to add a lot of value to listeners together through what we're talking about today. So a testament to it working, to getting good quality content out there for people to consume and listen to, which to me serves the world. Yeah, and the other thing I, I love is, you know, since you were passionate about this specific area, you've been in it before, you understood the pain because you experienced it, it allows you to create a product that you know is going to work and address that problem. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of other people that have started businesses because they think it's going to be a good idea, but they don't understand the industry. And and, and that's okay. You can still have a bunch of success. I mean, our prop tech uh, firm that Luke and I started, we don't have a bunch of real estate experience, but we brought people in that do. And, you know, that's kind of how we address that gap. But when it comes to just purely product development, when you understand the, the area, what the people are going through on a personal level, you're going to be able to create something really special. 100%, man. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And it's just been a really cool experience doing this. Like we're, we launched on June 15th, 2020, and just been growing ever since and continuing just to make sure we're honing in the problem. I always say launch it as MVP, so minimum viable product. Like yep. when we launched, we didn't have a logo or anything. Like the idea was just, is it serving the people that we set out to serve? If yes, then continue to can fix and make it better improve it. Constant improvements, which we need to be thinking with any product. It's not wait till it's perfect. It's launch as early as you can to serve somebody and then make it better over time. Yep. Lean, lean startup. Get that feedback loop going. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Love that. Well, Alex, the, the one question that we ask every guest that comes on, and I'm really excited to hear your answer to it, is just simply, why are you an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I'm an entrepreneur because I believe that serving the world is a purpose that each and every one of us has. We've all got our own set of skills. We've all got our unique way of doing this, but we owe it to ourselves and the world to get out there to serve them well. And we, again, we all have our own unique way of doing that. So for me, it's just a matter of making sure that I remember the one person that I'm serving ultimately. Like, I, I don't care if I have 100,000 people using my product. I don't care if I have one. What matters is, am I impacting somebody's life? And am I doing that through creating a solution that the world needs? And I believe that if all of us entrepreneurs, if all of us were out there trying to create better solutions for the world, it'd be a much better, happier, safer place, right? So I think yeah. that all of us, we just have to make sure that like, if we're thinking about being an entrepreneur, we have to be driven towards serving other people, loving other people, making the world a better place. And I think that when we do that, myself included, I believe that that we're changing the future that we're, that we're seeing right now and making it all become a better place. I love that. I love that. And that's got me hyped. And, you know, like you said, it's a, all of this is a calculated risk, but if you have a why, like you just laid out and it's something that you truly believe in, then everything's going to work out just fine. hundred percent, man. Couldn't agree more. Alex, uh, where can the people find you, learn more about you and then also Podmatch as well? Yeah, sure thing, man. So uh, Podmatch is podmatch.com. I'm sure you have links to that. Uh, everything else I do is at podpros.com, podpros.com. And you'll find like links to me, my podcast, everything that I'm involved in. But I, I do want to mention quickly, uh, Peyton, that I, I believe that you and Luke do such a good job of this show and I want to recommend an episode. So sure, check me out. But I really liked one about mastering your elevator pitch. I believe the guy's name was Pete Moore, mm -hmm. and he had a great voice, first off, for podcasting. But talk about just a brilliant breakdown of how to have a really good elevator pitch that adds value. If this is your first episode you're listening to of this podcast, go find that one and check it out because I believe it adds a lot of value to your life. So uh, again, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, and you know the uh, the other thing is that is a pod match guest. So oh, okay, cool, nice. Yep, yep, that's how Pete and I got in contact. So look at that, full circle. Love that, man. That's so cool. Absolutely. Alex, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me again, baby. Appreciate it. Thank you.
All right, guys. Uh, if you want to continue this discussion, follow us on our social media. Our Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebooks will all be in the description of this episode. Hop on there, shoot us a DM, hit us up with whatever concerns, questions, comments that you guys have. We'd love to continue building that community on there. Next, subscribe to wherever you're listening to this iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Overcast, you name it. We got it. And the only other thing I'm going to add is. As you're subscribing to those platforms, hop on there, give us rates and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Five-star ratings and a uh, and, and a comment go a really long way. Helps us continue to to climb up the charts and you know continue to to spread this to to all corners of the world and allow us to continue to bring on great guests. We really appreciate you guys for everything, and we're excited to see you next week.